we go. You are listening to Only the Important Stuff, and I'm your host, Jeff Heinrich. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. It means a ton to me that you are coming along on this journey with me. Of course, it is November 22nd, 2023, the day before Thanksgiving. Super excited for today's guest, but before we get into that, look, enjoy the absolute heck out of this holiday. Eat a ton of food, avoid the stupid family fights that you might find yourself on the precipice of engaging in, have another cocktail, go back for seconds, eat some dessert, but don't bring that pumpkin pie to my house. I will throw it in your face and tell you to get out, all right? I don't understand how anybody eats pumpkin pie. And there's a certain someone who listens to this. They know what I'm talking about. Yeah, enjoy the week. Enjoy the weekend. And just jump right into Christmas. Christmas season. Put up the tree early. Put the lights up. Mine are up. They are on. We are rocking and rolling and moving towards the most wonderful time of the year. All right. All that being said, super excited for today's guest. Uh, Doing a little bit of a series with this individual. Getting to know them. Getting to know their journey. Of course, I'm talking about one of the most important people in my life. My mother. Mi madre. The incomparable. The one and only. Often imitated. Never duplicated. D-E-B. Debbie Heinrich. It was super awesome to just hear about her uh, and, and her childhood. Uh, unfortunately, had to have a little bit of a conversation about her and her father. She lost him when he was young and just how her and her family coped with that and how they moved through that as best they could. And then got to know a little bit about her and my dad, how they met, what their life was like as a young couple raising young kids and you know, the transition from that to, you know, teenagers moving back to Arizona or Minnesota, welcoming Justin into the world, you name it, right? And so super thankful she came on. She obviously has a massive impact on my life. And honestly, if you're listening to this, she probably had a small impact on yours at some point. So can't wait to have another conversation with her and keep this going and and really kind of memorialize these these stories surrounding her and my dad and you know just giving me an opportunity to get to know them a little better so without further ado the one and only deb here we go all right welcome to the podcast mom how are you doing i'm doing great thank you yes <laughs> this is uh this is the second earliest podcast i've ever done I just said, I think you probably have the energy for this. I don't know if I do. You still a morning person? You're always am, a morning person. I am a morning person. I get up about 4.30, jump in the shower, and head to exercise at 5.30. So my body's used to getting up bright and early. And I get a little bit of caffeine in me, and away I go. You haven't gotten, like, tired or more tired? It's not a word. More tired as you've gotten older and, like, wanted to sleep more? I do on the weekends. Catch yeah. up on my sleep on the weekends. And I notice that when I'm doing a lot of yard work or something and I've had weightlifting in the morning and then by the end of the day I'm really dragging. So yeah. I do notice I get tired easier. Was was uh were you always like that or was that a kid's thing? I think I like always when you were fourteen, were you waking up at four AM? No, 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 right. no, no. 
No. It's so like, when did that start? How did that start? Well, about, I've always had lots of excess energy. Personality-wise, mm-hmm. I've just had a lot of energy. And uh, a few months ago, I decided to try the 5.30 a.m. exercise class so I would go to bed at nighttime because usually I'm a, a night owl mm-hmm. and I stay up till 12 or 1 in the morning. Yeah. So that's why I decided to switch it up and see if I could get myself to go to bed earlier and then I'd get my exercise over with early in the morning and then off to subbing. How's that going? Great. Like I like that? it. Yeah. Well, there are some mornings that I'm really tired, but I've <laughs> you have to pay for these classes to go to, so I decide to get up and go, and then I'm glad I'm there once mm-hmm. I'm done with the class. Yeah, I can't do it anymore. I don't think. I try, you know, the military and, like, having to do it every morning, I just, now it's like, now that I have a choice, I'm like, nah, I can't do it at 5 a.m. anymore. Well, and I am not going to do it in the wintertime at 5 a.m. because it's going to be too darn cold out. So yeah. then I will do, I'll sub during the day, and then I'll go to my exercise in the afternoon for a few hours, which is what I used to do. Mm-hmm. And then, but I got found myself staying up till midnight and 1 o'clock, and that's really too late mm-hmm. for myself. So that's why I switched it up and went, decided to go to 5.30 a.m. Yeah. And there's a lot of really nice ladies, and we've come, become really good friends, so we kind of encourage each other. That's good. And they're all young mothers. Nice. nice. And I'm the, I'm the grandmother of the group. Hey, <laughs> and you keep up with them. <laughs> I, I, yes, I do. I think keep everybody up with who knows you knows you've always had, like, just an abundance of energy. Has that, was that always, uh, was that always like that? Like, growing up, were you always that person? Just yes, ready to I, roll? I was ready to roll, yep. And I just had, and I don't know if it was growing up with, you know, four other siblings and myself, but mm-hmm. I just, in growing up with the brothers, that I just kind of tried to keep up with them. I just had all this energy. and Yeah. And I just, it was always my personality because my twin brother was very opposite of myself. And I was the one that was really the more outgoing, and he was more reserved and more of an introvert than I was. Really? Mm-hmm. Never saw that out of him. Yeah. When we were growing up. That's oh, when okay. we were growing up. Okay. And then you get into the business world and then you get out in college and then you Busted become out of a show. Yep. 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 Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um I I we never talked about this. Um I mean we've talked about it briefly. But like so you had four brothers and sisters. Well, one sister, three brothers. Um and you lost your dad. When you were 18? 17. 17? Yeah. How did that impact everybody? You know, because that, that's a big family. It's not, you know, it's definitely a big family. It's a, <laughs> um, and what were the ages? How old was Uncle Mike? Oh, golly. Mike was 21. Okay. Danny and I were 17, Doug was 15, and Lori was 8. And Mom was 39, and Dad was 43. So it was huge back then. And it was, Dad had heart disease, and he had was flown to Cleveland, Ohio, back in the day, and that's the only place they did open-heart surgery in the entire nation. Mm -hmm. And so then he came back, and he was able to live five years longer, but he passed away on the day of our first senior football game. It was a football game that day. Jeez. 
And we, the, the pastor came to get Danny and I and Doug from school and took us all home. And mom and the pastor said we had to go back to cheer and play in the football game that night because that's my, what my dad would have wanted. Really? So Denny played football and got an interception and a touchdown. And I was kind of really out of it the entire game. I yeah. was just kind of in shock. Right. Cried during the whole national anthem, and I just felt out of it. You know, and I, you know, it was right. kind of in shock, basically. Understandably. And then, uh, so we just went home, and then we just, it was real strange because I was compared to when your father passed away. We never were able to talk about it as a family. We just went on our daily lives, and we just never talked about it, which I think was really sad for all of us, mm-hmm. with five of us. And um, But we just kind of dealt with it, and you just moved on. And, and Lori, I felt sad for Lori because she was only eight at right. the time. And she said, well, I really never knew my dad because he was uh, traveling around the state of South Dakota building highways, mm-hmm. and he was home on the weekends and busy with family. So she said she really never got to know dad like we did. Yeah. And, um, but it was just, it was a real shock to all of us at, at that such, such a young age. So, so he had had, man, I did not want to like jump into this right away, but so he had had like heart issues for a while. Yes. He had, he had a heart attack when he was with, um, he was hunting with Denny and Mike and, uh, they were out in the field, and he stopped the car, and he went and laid over, and according to Mike, he was laying in a ditch. And Jesus. some people noticed the car stopped on the highway, so they went over, and they helped Dad, and then they got him into the to an ambulance and took him to the hospital and then on to Cleveland, Ohio, to have surgery. So he had heart disease when very, very young. But he was a big smoker in the military because everybody smoked in the military. You could get the cigarettes for no, nothing, so they were all smokers. You. Gave them to you, yeah. Back then, <laughs> and mother was a smoker too. So it was a, it was a, we, we as kids were putting out their cigarettes all the time. But anyway, not to, not to change that up. But no. dad had to quit smoking at the time, mm-hmm. and he quit smoking, and then mother kept smoking. But he had probably heart disease in his early late twenties. Dang. And then uh, was managed. They managed to get. He lived till he was forty three, but. Mm-hmm. That was the only place in the country they did open heart surgery was Cleveland, Ohio. So, and that was when we were in eighth grade. And they, then he lived another four years. So, at the age of forty-three, I was really young. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty devastating for the community and for our yeah. family because he was pretty instrumental in doing a lot of things in the community. So, but I felt bad for mom when I was thirty-nine years of age and she was raising five kids. So that was tough. Yeah. very tough for her. Yeah, I mean, shit. 43 yeah that's how old i am yeah uh, yeah right like it's yeah. hard to yeah think that uh think about how short life could be i know it happens to a lot yeah. of people yeah. all the time all across the world and you know tragedy is yeah it's tragic because it's unexpected and all of that but yeah. man, it puts it into perspective being 43 yeah and <laughs> thinking about how much life you believe is still in front of you yes absolutely you know, um it's very well put jeff yep and so eh, that's wild you just went and played a football game <laughs> yeah uh that day because i know when dad passed away i was uh, uh 
just a hot mess, yeah. right? Uh, yeah. I could not have, and that was, I knew that was going to happen. So to have it be unexpected and then just be like, well, get back out there um, yeah. with a pat on the butt and go get it uh, is pretty crazy. It's also probably a, like a sign of the times. Yeah. Right? Um, where you didn't talk about it. So like it, that was never, you guys never really discussed it? No. Like as a family? Because Mike was married in, in Sioux City. Mike got married at 21, 20. Mm-hmm. And they had a baby. So Mike was away from home and it was Denny and I and Doug and Lori. And mom just worked. And we were very involved in all of our activities and volunteering. So, no, we didn't talk at all about it. So when your dad passed away, and I went into some intense therapy mm-hmm. to help me deal with, excuse me, You're fine. my dad's passing because we yeah. weren't able to talk about it back then. Right. Which the therapy really helped. Right. But I, so that's probably why when your dad passed away, I just wanted you guys to know that there was resources out there right. if you needed it to kind of help you get over some real deep, you know, dark places you possibly could go losing your father, mm-hmm. you know. So that's why I had encouraged it. Right. And I have been in therapy since your dad passed away, and it's really helped me get through some ups and downs in life. Sure. And sure. everybody has their own resources to help them get through sometimes when they're down. And it's usually your spouse that helps you work through or mm-hmm. a pastor or a very good friend or that's also been through something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how therapy has really helped me. Right. You know, and I think Jennifer, when she had moved to Baltimore, she continued therapy and she, it really helped her through some tough times as well. Yeah. So, but in each person, handles it differently and deals with it differently for sure for sure um when do you got because I, I obviously like you have you talk about your dad mm-hmm. right and now you guys do a lot uh or have been doing a lot over in mitchell with respect to cadwell park and mm-hmm. you know get it you know putting up his bust and you know all these dedications and whatnot so like when did when did you as a family kind of feel like, well, we should talk about him more. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. And talk about it yeah. more. Talk about it more. Well, I think just individually, like if I would be with Mike, then we would sit down and talk about this. We'd, we'd get a scrapbook that his sister made mm-hmm. and had pictures of our dad when he was young and in the military and he and mom and all those little kids. So Mike and I would talk about that type of stuff sure. at that time. So that's kind of how we did it. And Lori said she hardly knew her dad. So we just tried to show pictures of what Aunt Adelma had of dad. And of course, Lori was so little, some of the pictures she wasn't in because she was, geez, I don't know how mom and mom and dad must have been in their early 30s when they had Lori. But so that's kind of how we would talk about it is individually together. And then Denny and I talked a lot about it because mm-hmm. Denny was um, into baseball. So was Mike. But, I mean, they were, they were into that type of stuff. So Denny and I would talk about it with Terrell and Chad, mm-hmm. you know, because Chad wanted to know a lot about his grandpa too. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how we talked about it. But nothing as intense as my therapy with my therapist mm-hmm. because I felt like I really needed it 
Sure. You know, having lost my dad so young. And then you just didn't talk about stuff like that. You just went on. You just went on your daily life. Mm-hmm. So I had some friends that would help. You know, we'd, we'd get down and with... I'd get really down, and they would help me work through some of the da- things of missing my dad, and we'd talk about that with a good friend. Mm-hmm. So that's who I kind of got through that part of my life with good friends. Yeah. And uh, so that's, and each, like I said, each of us growing up individually handled it. And as we got older, then we were able to sit down and talk about it. Sure. But like in our 40s and 50s, but right. that's kind of how we dealt with it, which is really sad because you, you, you bury that stuff and you try to hide it and I felt sad for Doug because Doug lost dad when he was 15 which was a critical age of a young boy growing up Mm -hmm. and uh, I felt like he turned to some chemicals to help him mask his pain that he was going through because he didn't know how to deal with it either so that's how he covered up the pain yeah and that's kind of real normal today so agreed I think uh, like if you're not capable of or allowed to shouldn't even say capable but allowed to like talk about what occurred Uh, that's a real common thing i mean shit i did right like when dad passed away i I, yeah i leaned heavily into drinking yeah yeah (laughs) not that uh um i was against it before but i i I feel like you know I, i really turned it up a notch um when that when we went through that. So I couldn't imagine going through it at 15. Yeah. And then again, just not being able or not having feeling like you had the environment in which to talk about it, even amongst your family, Mm -hmm. you know, um, especially just for us. Right. Cause like we, we talk about dad a lot. Yeah. You know, um, all of us do like when we're together, tell Mm -hmm. stories and Mm -hmm. shoot the shit and try to, remember all the good stuff yep. um yep. to kind of keep him alive so to just kind of yeah yeah have such a central figure in your life ripped from yeah. you yeah. unexpectedly and yeah. then kind of to just be told move on yeah yeah and that was Oof. yeah yeah and Oof. it's just Mike and I and Lori talk about it now in relationship to Doug and how he, ha- how he dealt with that, you know, and that's, you know, today he's doing a lot better with it because he's, I think he's probably more sensitive with his children. He's talking about a lot of things to his kids because he never got his parents to talk to him about those things growing up. So he's learned from that, but it was, yeah, it's, there's, <laughs> you, you, each person does it individually, but therapy has really helped me. Sure. Over the last nine years. Sure. You know. Yeah. And Doug and Danny both had some adult coaches that took them under their wing. Mm-hmm. And they knew what they were going through. And they were there for Doug and Danny. And it was real helpful for them. Yeah. And Mike, Mike was married and had a little Lisa. So he had his wife to help yeah. him get through that. And then Lori was eight, nine years old. So she had mom. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it's. We all got through it, and it, and then we have some scars from it, but you just kind of continue to work through those things, and with therapy, it kind of helps you get through it. Absolutely. So, yeah, yep. I mean, life goes on, Yep, sadly. life goes on. and Sadly, but also, like, it, it, that is a curse and a blessing, right, that life goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And you got to keep living, you yep. know, and keep moving forward. 
and it does time does help probably more than anything um yeah. uh, with a lot of issues and traumas that you go through gives you perspective allows you to reflect and yeah. you know helps you process more and more i i agree though you know i think like talking about it and and everything yeah is probably one of the better things you mm-hmm. can do whether it's with a mm-hmm. the therapist or with a friend or whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah Anyways, I didn't mean to dive into that right away. That's I, okay. I apologize. That's okay. But I do want to say that once we did the Cadwell Park bus thing, mm-hmm. we spent three years researching a lot of things, and we learned a lot about my dad. Yeah. None of us kids knew. Right. So that was really heartwarming to us and uplifting. Right. Which we knew dad was a big leader in the community anyway, but we got to learn a lot about our dad, which was really cool, mm-hmm. that we didn't know because we were so sure. young when he passed away. So that was really exciting for the all of our siblings to go through that so i mean and that's why i want to do this right is yeah you know i mean we talked about it right like i didn't really know dad no no like no i knew who he was as a father yeah Yeah. um but i don't know his stories i don't know yeah you know what he was like as a kid i don't know you know what he was like in college and um Anything that I learn is through a lens of someone else, mm-hmm. right? So that was, that's why I wanted good. to do this was to just yeah. be able to share my stories and talk to my friends and yeah. mother yeah. and yeah. spouse and yeah. so on and so forth. So the kids, uh, in the event of something terrible happening and mm-hmm. or I just forget sometime mm-hmm. down the road, they mm-hmm. you know they have the ability to listen to this and like learn a little bit about who I was or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um growing up and you know maybe it'll shed some perspective on them or for them on me Mm -hmm. later on in their life or whatever and i think this pod jeff is such a fabulous way for your children to learn about you and your family and your friends and that you 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 never had that with your father Mm -hmm. but you did he did always tell you about how close he was to his high school buddies and make sure you come to the reunions and make sure you stay connected to your high school buddies and and but and he they he had a very strong bond with all the guys he went to high school with Mm -hmm. and in college but Mm -hmm. it was just um you know i mean that's we'll get into your dad because i mean it's just interesting his family dynamic Mm -hmm. because you know grandpa hugh never spoke never never spoke very quiet oh i know and so his they were raised with their father never speaking unless something really happened in the family yeah and then and then their mother was a teacher of course and then so they had no talking around the dinner table i mean they were i mean they were it was real strict and real quiet and so that's how he was raised so that's kind of how he Raised his children because, I mean, he was used to that. Mm-hmm. But um, he was just used to that dynamic, and, and uh, it, it was quite opposite of my personality and my family because we were all talkers and all yeah. pretty outgoing people. Uh, you know, I mean, I know opposites tracked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because, <laughs> um, uh, you know, Jen, my wife, is mm-hmm. very – she's engaging – um and outgoing with people she doesn't know mm-hmm. whereas i am not mm-hmm. right i'm mm-hmm. you know i have walls and it takes people time to get through them mm-hmm. before i'm 
you know, I'll do the surf, the surfacey bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. how about this weather? What do you do for work? Oh, that's cool. You know, talk about all the, the normal things anybody would that, you know, when they don't truly care about somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's the, the opposite, right? She'll, she'll dive into things and she always makes fun of me for, you know, being in situations and hearing somebody say something that seems pretty big and I don't ask a follow-up question on it. And she's like, well, cause I don't care. Like they're not a part of my life yet. Right. And so you and dad, very opposite, right? Like you're talkative, you're outgoing, you're energetic. And mm-hmm. dad was very quiet and reserved. Mm-hmm. How did, how did, how did you two like meet? <laughs> and well, let's start there. How okay, did you okay. two meet? Okay. And talk me through like okay. getting to know each other. Okay. And did it feel like pulling teeth to get to know who he was? Well, um, I was a freshman at South Dakota State, and he was a sophomore, and we had mutual friends on the basketball team, and... You can pull it towards you. Pull the mic towards you. There you go. He introduced us, because I knew him from high school, and he played basketball with Rod. So he introduced us when I was a freshman cheerleader, and um, then I was dating somebody down at the University of South Dakota at the time. Ooh. So, and he was a high school friend, and and he was a really good friend of my twin brother Danny. So Danny kind of got us going to gatherings down at South at University of South Dakota. <laughs> so then I was kind of dating him, and then I would do some things with your dad, and then Jeez, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I broke up with him that summer, and then your dad and I got back together again, and. One day, he was dated my really good friend, and I dated, well, they're now married. Actually, we split partners, and we married each other. So they were, he so was what, helping so her. So <laughs> you and dad were dating each, other people. Yeah, yeah. Those relationships ended. You and dad got together, and then those, those two, two got together? And they, yeah, and we got okay. married. All right. But anyway, he was helping her carry her laundry up the steps of the dorm that we lived in. Mm-hmm. And um, I was walking up there, and he gave me this great big smile. And actually, they were coming up. I was carrying laundry. And he said, may I help you carry that laundry upstairs? And I said, absolutely. So I took my laundry up the steps to my, to my dorm room, and it was right across the hall from where Nancy lived. And um, he was so, I mean, he was so thoughtful, so kind, so well-mannered, so friendly, a beautiful smile. And then... Uh, I was dating Nancy's husband now to be back boyfriend back then. And then we just kind of went our own ways. And, uh, and Dave and I went to church camp all through high school. So that's kind of how we connected in college. Mm-hmm. And Dave and I don't know how Rod and Nancy connected. But anyway, we kind of both went our own ways and started dating the opposite. And then, uh, but he was very talkative when he was, we were dating. I mean, much more talkative than typically around people. Sure. But because he was really very reserved and very quiet compared to myself. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of how we connected uh, through mutual friends that I had in high school, and he played basketball with him. So that's kind of okay. how we met each other. Okay. And went from there. What was he like in college? Right. Because um, mm-hmm. I, again, I only know him uh, as, as dad and I have heard the stories of, you know, South Dakota State legend and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just this, you know, he's tall, he's basketball athlete, like all these mm-hmm. things, right? So, like, 
what was his personality slash persona like in college? Did very serious. He's very serious, mm-hmm. very um, intense at practice, very serious about his basketball career, yeah. you know. And um, I think he he didn't he started when he was a freshman because he had a JV squad back then. So he started as a freshman, and then he played with Dave Thomas, Lee Colburn, and those guys went on to play professional ball for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they, of course, they bring in younger players, and they were playing in there sliding in there because the coach was getting ready for the next season. So uh, your dad did play every once in a while, but he was real serious about basketball. Mm-hmm. And um, everybody, and he was a PE major as well, so we had a lot of classes together. And But then was when the season was over with, they would all go down, <laughs> and they'd have their little party downtown. Mm-hmm. And so they would do that, but he didn't do that very often because we were always together on the weekends when all these other people with their friends and a lot of people partied, but your dad never partied through college like the other guys did because he was real serious about basketball. And then, uh, so that's kind of how people knew him. A very, very well-mannered, very thoughtful, very, um, when he would get on the radio on WNEX Yankton because Norm Hilson loved the guy. He called him Hot Rod. And then, uh, so he had, he would always, <laughs> that's kind of how he got his name from Norm. And he would always interview him on the radio. And your dad was a phenomenal speaker, just like you are. On the spot, he would ask him a question and he would, his answers were remarkable. It was just amazing how, mm-hmm. what a good speaker he was. I thought he should have been a speech coach. He was so good at it. But that's kind of how the reputation he had in college. And he, his very good friends still are good basketball player buddies that he has from college. But he was just a real serious about everything he did. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was there was no playtime. He was always real serious and real business like. And you worked hard and you played hard. So that was kind of his philosophy all through sure. college. It, and so, like again, back then, like I know, right? Everybody started out. You you started out JV. Mm-hmm. That was just. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like it, yeah. in football, everybody always used to redshirt. There was no yep. such thing as like these yep. freshman studs that came in and played. You're just part of a system and so on. You know, so then as his career progressed, you know, junior, sophomore, junior, mm-hmm. senior year, mm-hmm. and he's playing more and mm-hmm. part of the team, like, mm-hmm. did he have a, a, obviously he had this serious reputation, but was it weird that so many people then started to know him on campus? And like mm-hmm. would see him around. I, mm-hmm. Was that a thing? I would assume it mm-hmm. was because mm-hmm. again, he's yeah. All the at Augie, all the basketball players stuck out like sore thumbs. They're yeah. just tall. Yeah, they're yes. large humans, yeah. right? And yeah. it's hard to not notice them walking yeah. around. Yeah, walking around, and then you take on Brookings, which is significantly mm-hmm. bigger school. Like, yeah. was was there any of that back then? Of like, oh my gosh, that's so and so as an athlete. And not even necessarily yeah, dad, but yeah. Dave Thomas, right? Yeah, like these other yeah. guys that he played with, were were they recognized a lot back then? Mm-hmm. You know, because sports was just different back then. So I didn't know if there was yeah. like that fandom that surrounded it at all times or not. Mm-hmm. Well, there was, because we played in the barn, and the barn <clears throat> is still there, but it could only hold 3,000 people. So when USD came or Augustana came, there was standing room only. And... Though the top eight players were well known on campus, and your dad was one of the top eight players, mm-hmm. and um, 
but he, you know, he and I dated my sophomore year until, you know, we graduated. And then, um, so it wasn't like it is today because I, I don't, I just think the whole sports thing has gotten much, much larger yeah. the last 20 well, years no. than it was when sure. your dad was in college. But um, they had this, um, they had a real nice article in your dad in this South Dakota State paper magazine that they handed out at the basketball tournaments. And it was just kind of cool because they highlighted players and your dad was highlighted mm-hmm. quite often in that sure. newspaper. I think because he was very reserved, he, he was very humble. He never, you know, was bragging about his skills or any of that thing. He just went out there and worked worked his ass off and worked really, really yeah. hard. And I think that's why people really liked him because he was so humble sure. and and just went out there and worked really, really hard and yeah. uh, wasn't arrogant about it and and quite different than it is, you know, today. Right. So Yeah. Um without a doubt, right? And that's one of those things like I didn't know I've learned more about his uh basketball capabilities. Mm-hmm. Skills, whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. Mm-hmm. Um since he passed than I ever heard from him. God. Right. And obviously you heard from others. You knew I knew what he had accomplished growing up uh, from his playing perspectives, but never like heard the the stories. Right. And you, I remember you sent an article once to Justin, Jennifer and I, and it was like, he was some holiday tournament and he scored like 70 in a game. It's like, geez, like this pre this is pre three pointer. You couldn't dunk just a just a different game and yeah. scoring 70 back then like holy cats right and shout out dad that's a great saying mm-hmm. um so i'm just I, I yeah like he never talked about that stuff where i feel like today like people talk about that shit all the time mm-hmm. and you know i and or people talk about it for them right if you mm-hmm. if, obviously like if um I were just walking around being like, oh, yeah, I did this in high school and I did this in college. Like, people would be like, well, that guy's a douchebag. <laughs> I get that. I totally yeah. understand that. And mm-hmm. it, it is very arrogant to walk around talking about your own accomplishments. But I feel like people now are pumping other people up more publicly and talking about those things. So, again, I just never heard those stories and like, occasionally he would tell me about a game or something uh, that he did but then he'd quickly move on like he didn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and it's like man i wish i could have heard more of that stuff from him. right like from him. one of one of his you know he he's told me there's like two stories that always stuck out one um just talking about like rivalry games and it was, I think it was against Augie, or it was USD, right? And you guys were the Jackrabbits, so everybody always threw frozen Jackrabbits on the court and whipped carrots at the players and everything. And there was one game that they were playing, I think it was at the barn. Um, a rabbit got thrown onto the court, and Dad picked it up and, like, hurled it back into the crowd and, like, hit somebody in the face. And, like, the and like fights broke out on the court, and they were, like, trying to get out of there and some other player punched a fan like 
<laughs> it just <laughs> sounded like the Wild West, right? Like, so that was one story, and I always like chuckled about it. And so when I got to Augie, I was like, man, I got to throw a rabbit out there one day, <laughs> right? Um, and and then another was they were playing Kansas, and Kansas had this All American mm-hmm. basketball player, center. Uh, yeah, center. Mm-hmm. Um, who went on to play in the league and all that stuff. And there was a picture in the paper of dad and him going up for a rebound. And the other guy's hand was at dad's elbow. Cause he would just talk about how he could jump so high. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, dad, you know, was skying and he would tell me how he used to be able to take a quarter off the top of a backboard. And mm-hmm. I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. And so like, you hear those stories growing up, but that was about it. Like he never told me like how he did, what he averaged, how many points he would ever score or anything along those lines. So to like see an article like that come through after he's gone and like, holy cats, you know, you scored 70 to get like, mm-hmm. talk to me about that. Like, I want to hear about that. Right. And you, you just, you, you lack that chance. So it's cool to hear you talk about, you know, Oh, yeah, you know, they were good. But even you're kind of like humble about his abilities, which is just fascinating. It's fascinating well, to me. He, he, Jeffrey, he never even shared that stuff with me. I mean, and as I'm going through, you know, and, and purging and getting, throwing things out, I'm coming across these articles, and I know you kids would love to read these because I was over, I was shocked as well. Mm-hmm. Because this article said he had a game of 50 points and a game of 70 points, and I thought, and he never shared it with his children, which I think you guys would have loved to have heard that about your father. Yeah. But that's how humble he was. He didn't want people to think he was bragging about himself. He just went about his business, mm-hmm. did the best he could, and he, whenever he played, whenever he played a college game, they always put him on the toughest uh, defensive player. And he always, he was the shortest guy out there, and he was always playing against somebody that was three, four, five inches taller than he was because mm-hmm. he could jump higher than they could. Mm-hmm. That's how good he was in college. It's crazy. <laughs> and he didn't shoot a lot in high school, but they got him to shoot more in college. And uh, But he was one heck of a defensive player. Yeah. Very, very good yeah. defensive player. And that's what I think he coached in high school, too. Wanted these kids to play really good defense. and and uh, Yeah, but, dad is a coach. That's a whole... Yeah. another podcast <laughs> and that's uh, where you and your buddies need to get into yeah. it yeah that's it was, right <laughs> it's funny right so like we went out with charlie last night right um mm-hmm. and obviously charlie knew my dad mm-hmm. he didn't play for him mm-hmm. right but we were we we're doing this like putt putt golfing thing <laughs> and uh they're gimmicky holes they're weird you got to do weird stuff on them and you know we're having some cocktails we're, we're joking around and it Whenever it's me and my friends, we're all generally a saying or two comes out from dad. <laughs> of right? course. And uh, I think Charlie's wife was trying to putt this ball up a hill and she kept getting it short, right? And it would come back and it would come in. After like the third time, I was jokingly, I was like, make an adjustment. <laughs> And Charlie's like, Charlie started laughing. He's like, where the hell did that come from? I was like, oh, man. If I had a a nickel for every time my dad yelled that at me because I just kept screwing up and it, and he's like, dude, that is, he's like, it's the funniest, but at the same time, like most condescending way to like yell at somebody. 
because you like in the moment you're trying to fit like do something different but you're not because you're so in it and he, that's what he would just yell at you like make an adjustment do something different it's like i'm trying <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's always gosh. something that would come out from yeah. him uh, yeah. when he was a coach. <laughs> but yeah, he, that's a whole oh, other podcast of that, dad that coaching is, stories. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Anyway, your dad was, like I said, extremely humble. And I think that's why even in the business world, he was so well-respected because he did his job top-notch, did said nothing about it, just got it done, mm-hmm. and moved on. Sure. And that's why he was so well respected and liked in the business world. Sure. And he became a lot more social personally because the business world made him have to get and talk and, and greet people and that kind of thing. Right. So um, I didn't mean to get sideways about that, no. but just talking about your dad's personality, he was just extremely humble. His father was the same way. Yeah. Grandpa, he was exactly the same way. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I got good but, stories uh, about grandpa. Oh, yeah. Well. Um, but uh, speaking of dad's like personality, mm-hmm. right? And I am currently rocking a mustache. Okay. Yes, I love it. Uh, do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Uh, I know Jen is. Um, well, it reminds me of your father. That's why I think it's kind of cool. So when did that, did he have one? Ever since you knew him, when did the mustache start? Because I never knew him without one. Oh, he had a handlebar in the wedding pictures. He had that handlebar in the wedding pictures. And I think he just, I think he had one the rest of his life, but he took cut the handlebars off. And then I think um, he would always keep it trimmed. Mm -hmm. And then one time he decided to completely shave it off and he looked... Like he was 16 years old. Yeah. He didn't like the look, so then he grew a mustache back. Okay. So I think he's always had one, Jeff. Yeah. Always had one. And uh, But the handlebars, he, <laughs> I mean, they were really. Did he have one in college, though, like when you first met him? Or did that come, like, after? That came after, because they had okay. to have clean shaven face oh, when they played basketball. interesting. Yeah, so that was after, because he, he taught for a year. We taught for a year before we yeah. got married out okay. of college. So then that's when that came. He could sure. have that in college. Or uh, in his first teaching job. And uh, so then that's when that came. Okay. Okay. But all of his life he had one. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> he absolutely did. Um, so you guys, went. you graduate. I know Dad graduated a year before you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then how long after you graduated did you guys get married? A year later. A year? He was a grad assistant at South mm-hmm. Dakota State my senior year. Okay. So then got his master's, and then he went on to teach a year, and I went on to teach a year, and then we got married yeah. next summer in June. And then after you got married, how many years until you had Jennifer? Three. We three. waited three years to have Jennifer. Okay. And then we were, let me see, um, right when we got married, he had a, his college roommate of three years, got him a job at uh Congolium? It was a restaurant. I'm trying to think of oh. what it was. Uh, country. I don't know. Old Country Buffet? Oh, co- no, <laughs> it, I can't think of the name. Anyway, it's a restaurant. And so okay. your dad worked the night shift. And then As we had. What? 
a night shift at this restaurant. He was a manager of the night shift. Oh, okay. So it was open 24 hours. He was a waiter? Yeah. No, he was, he, he was a manager of the night shift. And then I was, we had a little apartment on East 33rd Street in Sioux Falls. That mm-hmm. lasted about a month. He said, I'm not in the restaurant business. So he went to a employment agency and they only dealt with people that had four-year college degrees. So your dad was hired instantly and went to work for Congolium. Mm-hmm. So then we moved to St. Paul in Congolium, and he was with Congolium at that time, and then I went to the, into the banking business because we moved in September, and I couldn't get a teaching job. So then he was with Congolium in St. Paul for three and a half years, and then I became pregnant just before we moved down to Atlanta. So that's kind of... Okay. Was there... Because um, I, I think, like, now... There's so much talk about like married couples, spouses, whatever, like just trying to like plan their family and talk about like, did you guys have conversations like we want to have one, two, three kids? When do we want to have them, et cetera? Did you guys have conversations about that prior to having kids? We wanted to get into our first house. Okay. We wanted to save enough money, get in our first house and then start to have a family. Okay. So we wanted that to be a goal for us first. So then- Um, we were caretakers of this apartment complex, huge apartment complex on Pilot Knob and Yankee Doodle, and it's still there. Yeah. And we were there for a year, and we were able to save a lot of money, and that helped us get a down payment for our first house. So then that's when we started working on having kids. How much was your first house? Do you remember how much it cost? I'm just curious. I don't remember, Jeff, because we've had so many houses I can't remember. <laughs> Sick brag. <laughs> well, no, we own moved every three years. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, oh boy, because it was a, a starter home and it had three bedrooms, full basement, double garage. Mm-hmm. Oh golly! And now it's really full. It's really grown out there in Egan, and that's where we lived. And I, I don't think it was maybe more than fifty thousand dollars. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so <laughs> crazy to think about. But we did. We did the painting. Yeah. We stained the woodwork. Yeah. And your dad did the flooring, so we could knock off the price of those things on the home. Sure. And and you could you had that option. Well dad was in the floor covering industry, so we got our flooring for just the cost. And dad hired people to put it in. So and we mm. did the painting of the rooms and the staining of all the cabinet and woodwork. So mm. but it was interesting, our first home. Sure. <laughs> so you you guys get pregnant with Jennifer. Mm-hmm. What are you guys thinking at that time? Like super excited mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. or i'm just like talk me through yeah. like where you guys were at and what you guys were talking about and going through as mm-hmm. you're pregnant and moving to atlanta yeah moving down to atlanta, right before she's born you know away from family like what's yeah. what's what's your all's mindset in that scenario i was really sad that i was leaving my mom and mm-hmm. my family up in the <clears throat> cities and going <clears throat> down to atlanta where we had no family mm-hmm. but excited for your dad, because he had was a really nice promotion to be the assistant manager down there uh, in, yeah. Congol- in Atlanta. And then I got a job at a bank. So I worked down there at a bank till I had Jennifer. And they, you didn't know what, what you were having, a boy or a girl back then. Right. So we just got the nursery ready. And, and then um, we were excited. But, you know, your dad didn't get really excited about a lot of things. Sure. So, I mean, he was just real serious about it. So, yeah. <laughs> and that was typical, you know. Um, 
excited, but when the ta- when the time came, he was very excited when the time came. Right. But he was just busy trying to get the house ready, and because we bought a home down there again, and you, all those things you're trying to get ready for mm-hmm. when the baby comes, because then um, I was an at home mom because. You know, I just wanted to be home with my kids. Sure. And we didn't know anybody mm-hmm. down there, and we didn't have any family down there. And so we just, I stayed at home. And then, uh, and Jennifer was our Southern Belle. So Jennifer came in and <laughs> was born on the end of June. So. Mm-hmm. Was that hard? Um, mm-hmm. Not having family there. Being, you know, a new mother mm. with without, like, a support structure to... Now everybody mm-hmm. talks, you know, everybody calls everybody. Yeah. Oh my gosh, my baby's, you know, crying all the time or is colicky or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they get advice from everybody else. And, you know, mm-hmm. phones were, I feel like just invented when you had Jennifer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they um, were. You know, there, yeah. you only had one. It was in, yeah. in your like kitchen living room area and that was it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So like, was that difficult trying to. And there wasn't, you know, all the resources online, the books, everybody's, you know, writing these books about raising kids wasn't prevalent, right? Yeah. So was that difficult uh, for you? Well, we lived in a neighborhood that was young families. Okay. So they had, uh, there was a, two or three people, they had a little one. So we'd kind of have play groups, yeah. get together with those. So we kind of had a, a support structure there. Okay. And then um, I'd always call mom and ask mom sure. about it. Or I'd call Lori because Lori had Amy. Um I'm trying to think. Oh, no, Amy wasn't born then. But I'd call my mom, basically, and Linda. Yeah. Linda, you know, yeah. just for some advice. So that was, that was my support group. Okay. So it was kind of different. But, you know, being in education and, you know, both of us were have been through college and that kind of thing, we kind of figured things out and mm-hmm. talked about it mm-hmm. together. So um, nothing too serious ever happened, thank goodness. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, pretty fortunate to have those play groups there. So sure. that's kind of really what we... And then we went to church there. So we had some church friends there. and Because whenever we moved, we would join a church. So that was kind of an instant family, yeah. uh, instant friends for us. Yeah, and Because yeah. we didn't have any other family around. So we'd get the kids going to church and that kind of thing. So. Right, right. And so you guys were there for two years, two and a half years before mm-hmm. you moved to mm-hmm. New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And... That yeah. was where I came into the world. Yeah. It, let me back up. It, what did you know? Did you notice a change in Dad? Like when mm-hmm. you guys had a child, or was he still the same guy? It's just oh, now we have a kid. Oh, he was. He he spent a lot of time playing with the kids when he was home. You mm-hmm. know, so he, that was a, a good part of me to see. Mm-hmm. Be- because I, his father being as quiet, and. Um, introverted as you know grandpa hugh was it was nice to see your dad interact and play and read books and that kind of stuff because i never saw grandpa hugh do any of that stuff you know with you guys sure so it was nice to see your dad do that and i think your dad wanted to try to make sure he was a lot more outgoing than and he loved his dad dearly but you know his dad was very introverted so he wanted to try to make sure he did a lot more things with his kids sure and um, so that was really, really nice to see with, mm-hmm. with you guys and your dad when you were little. Sure, sure. Um, did you know, so I, again, I asked about like your all's family planning. Was, was your plan always to have two or did you guys think like, 
Let's have five. Because you came from a big family. Dad came from a big family. Did you Had you talked about that at all, or was it mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. let's see what happens? Your dad wanted five. Holy shit. And I said, <laughs> really? And I said, okay. <laughs> so then, especially after you came at 12 pounds and 24 ounces, I said, I don't think we're having five kids. But anyway, so then um, after we had two, then uh, we were fine with two because we had a boy and a girl. We thought that was awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and then Justin was a, a blessing that right. we had at 41 and 42. But uh, he wanted to have five, and then after we had two, he said, I think two is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I think so, too. <laughs> um, because, so I think two's fine, right? And so we tell this story, right? I wanted a lot mm-hmm. as well because I loved um, kind of the family aspect on mm-hmm. your side of the family, right? Like dad's side, you know, obviously he came from a big family, but he was the youngest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were all kind of scattered to the wind and... Quite a bit older. Just disconnected mm-hmm. from us, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't feel as, like, close-knit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would always go, you know, to Lori and Todd's for Thanksgiving mm-hmm. and, you know, run around with Chad and Amy and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just all the cousins. And, like, I, I really enjoyed that. And so I kind of wanted to see if I could create that myself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we, I wanted a lot uh, prior to having any. Jack came super easy. Mm-hmm. And we were super blessed. And it was just this really good experience and then we had Jocelyn and Jocelyn and you know obviously love her Mm -hmm. but she was a very difficult child and so that like definitely for me made me pump the brakes and be like "Eh." also it was like I'm under a lot of stress at work and you know I can get into all the crap that went on right around when Jocelyn was born it really like shifted my mindset was it a similar situation for you guys where you're like yeah, I think it's too expensive. I don't want to do this again. Um, we would like to start trying to like get ahead in life, or in your mm-hmm. as you mentioned, I was just so big, and I you know mm-hmm. I broke mm-hmm. your ribs, and <laughs> you know it was it was a lot. Was I difficult, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or was it just mm-hmm. no? I think we're we're good. Like we feel complete. Like what was mm-hmm. what went yeah. into that? Yeah. Well, you, you and yeah. Jennifer were very, very easy to raise. I mean, mm-hmm. very. And, you know, because even after having you at 12 pounds and 24 inches, I could have had another child, but then I went back to work. Yeah. And then I started teaching. And then and we were in Arizona for eight years. and But I was teaching, and I really enjoyed that. And mm-hmm. I would have loved to have had more kids, but I just think we got – you guys were real busy with your dance and your sports, and we just kind of were going constantly. And then mm-hmm. your dad was traveling quite a bit. So then we just kind of liked, well, we just kind of never <laughs> planned on having another child. Sure. And then um, because you guys were so easy to raise, we didn't have to put away anything. You were told no. There was never any temper tantrums, nothing. I mean, really? such easy, easy kids to raise. And I said, Rob, this is a piece of cake. Are you sure you don't want to have any more? Nah, 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 two's enough, two's enough. Because he was, you know, like I said, traveling periodically, and he didn't want to miss all that kind of stuff when sure. you guys were little. Okay. So then Justin comes along, and, of course, you're 12 years old, and Jennifer's 15 years old, so you're, it's kind of like a second family. Yeah. And uh, just, 
all of you were so easy to raise. It was just, we were very blessed. Very, very blessed. So, What went through your all's head when... Because at that point, we were... Again, Jennifer's 15. I'm almost a teenager, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you're on autopilot (laughs) when it comes to raising kids at that Mm -hmm. point, right? Like, you don't have to do much for us Mm -hmm. other than make sure we're fed, Mm -hmm. right? Which is, and even then, like, you probably didn't have to do that. Like, Mm -hmm. we were capable of going into Mm -hmm. the cabinet and grabbing Mm -hmm. snacks and, Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. know, stealing your Pepsi and whatever, (laughs) right? Um, What was going through your head when you found out you were pregnant? And, like, what were those conversations like between you and dad in that scenario? Well. At that stage, (laughs) being so far removed from having young ones in the Mm -hmm. house. Well, when I told your dad we were going to have a baby, he didn't speak to me for three days. (laughs) Because. That's interesting. He said, said, well, I was just worried about you because of our age. That. At this age, and you have another 12-pound baby, that that will cause some health complications for you. So he was really, yeah. that was what he shared with me. But then, our, you know, we, we got rid of the baby crib. We got rid of everything baby-oriented. So then you had to start all over again and right. do this all. So I think um, that was in the back of his mind. He said, we've got two very independent, very... Uh, strong-willed children that are active, very active, going every which direction. Now we got to start over with a baby. Mm-hmm. So um, I was really excited. He he became more excited as <laughs> Justin's birth became closer. Mm-hmm. So and then um, just to see how you and Jennifer reacted to Justin was just so so touching and heartwarming and loving. And he enjoyed that and and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, but I think, like I said, he told me. He didn't speak to me because he was so worried about our age, my mm-hmm. age especially, and having a 12-pound baby. He didn't think my body could handle another 12-pound baby. Mm-hmm. So, And Justin was only 10. It didn't so. ha- you didn't have to. Yeah, no. he was only 10. <laughs> yeah, he was only Came 10. Came up just a little short. Sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah, 10 and 21 inches or 22 inches long. So, But uh, Dad pie. was just worried about our age and my health. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is a concern. Yeah. It's a yeah. concern still. Yeah. Even with, yeah. you know. Yeah. advances of medicine and everything that goes into it so yeah i get that um but it was also like a time when you guys decided to mm-hmm. go through another big change because we were mm-hmm. so i was born in new jersey and then we moved to chattanooga we were there for what two years then mm-hmm. denver for two mm-hmm. to three yeah and then we moved to arizona we were there for you know six and you you get pregnant you're having another baby and you i don't what out of the blue what went into the decision to say screw this life let's go back to fairmont mm-hmm. well i think your dad got tired of the corporate world mm-hmm. he got tired of he was always upper management and he was always he was vice president of the national sales and all this kind of stuff and he just got tired of doing all these other people's work and they took the you know, the recognition for it. And then he was working his butt off to get, you know, to get to the next step. And he said, you know, I'm just, I've had it. Mm -hmm. He said, I want to go back. And John wants me to buy into the business. So I'm going to go back and buy into the business and Mm -hmm. be back where my dad and stepmom are. And dad's getting up there in age. 
be kind of nice to be back there mm-hmm. close to help him if he needs some help. So sure. that kind of came in that decision. That was harder for us being living in bigger cities for 20 years to go back to a small community of Fairmont. Yeah. But after being back there, we really enjoyed getting someplace in five minutes <laughs> instead of 35 yeah. to 40 minutes. We enjoyed that part. Now, we didn't have everything at our fingertips like you did in the big cities. Right. But um, we went back there, and he got into coaching, and he coached for 22 years, and I think he enjoyed that part of it mm-hmm. and uh, enjoyed the educating people on the insurance insurance industry, which is very complicated. And um, But that's kind of why he made that decision. He just got tired of the corporate rat race and climbing the ladder, mm-hmm. and he just said, that's enough. You know, I yeah. want to be a business owner and – John's been bugging me to come back here to go to work with him, so he, we made that step. Was that, I mean, you guys got through it. Did it feel like too much all at once with, you know, mo- complete change of lifestyle, throwing yeah, a baby, yeah, yeah, big yeah. town to small town. Big house to small house. Yeah, all yeah. big oh, house to yeah. not our house, yeah, right? Yeah, Living at grandpa's old house, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, yeah. what, was that stressful um, like what, talk me through that from yeah, your perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember living it and yeah, it was, yeah, but I'm yeah. just curious, like, did you have a moment at all in there where you're like, can you please go back to what you were doing or like, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there were, yeah, it was a lot, there were a lot of ups and downs mm-hmm. that first year because I got a teaching position at the middle school. And every year they would terminate my position. They'd say declining enrollment. So I'd have to re, reapply. And, of course, I was hired every year for five years and then become tenured. But it was hard on your dad because he had to start. It's kind of like starting a business over again. So he had to get, yeah. get to know clientele. And he coached because it was kind of a nice change from that world to working with kids. And he loved the coaching aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So. It was difficult for us as a family to adapt from Arizona to Fairmont mm-hmm. because we all are kind of in this, in grandpa's house, staying there. And that's a big change for all of us. Mm-hmm. But you and Jennifer were very involved in activities and Justin was just a baby and finding daycare and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. it was a big adjustment. And your dad didn't talk a lot about that kind of stuff. He kept it internally, which I'd is harmful to me. I mean, you don't do that kind of stuff today. You just kind of talk about it and work through it with people, with mm-hmm. friends, with spouses, a good friend, a pastor, and somebody that you can talk to about that. Mm-hmm. And whether that was John or not, I, I don't know if it was, but I mean, that was hard for him because mm-hmm. he he was a perfectionist at the things that he did. And I think he knew that he need, this place needed a lot of work, so he had a lot of work set in front of him. So yeah. um, it was nice that he had basketball that he could kind of get away from that for a while every day so but yeah it was it was tough because we went through a lot of ups and downs as a family Mm -hmm. you know we got a little tiny one and you and jennifer are real busy and we're trying to get you involved in stuff because you were busy in arizona Mm -hmm. so you come back to fairmont but thank goodness you were able to get with your good friends that you'd met Mm -hmm. really really good friends jennifer had a very difficult time being a female moving back there her junior year that was real hard for her yeah real difficult for her but we got her through it and got her on to South Dakota State, and she loved it there. Did, so, Did you ever think about not leaving her in Arizona, um, but just letting her finish her high school 
in Arizona. Well, Dottie said that she could live with them for a few years until she graduated. Yeah. And Jennifer said, Mom, I can't leave Justin. He's just a baby, and I can't leave Justin and Jeff. I want to go back with you guys. Because we offered that to her. And mm-hmm. she said, no, I can't leave my family. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, right? it is. Um, it is. And so that no matter was huge how, like, of her part. Tied in you are, right, yeah. to wherever you're at. And you're like to, you're, you're still yeah. 16, 17 yeah. years yeah. old. You know, you're yeah. not an adult, no. no matter how old you think you are. And so, like, yeah. when that reality is pushed in front of you, yeah. of would you like your family not to be around for two years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't blame. I would yeah. t- absolutely understand. Yeah. I'm sure yeah. she probably. I don't want to speak for her, but I, you know, I'm sure there's a little bit of like, hmm, would have been cool to stay, yeah. um, especially just because of the difficulties of moving, right, and yeah. the challenges of integrating into a small town. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and she danced five days a week, and then when she moves to Fairmont, she dances one day a week. So that was a huge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let down for her. Mm-hmm. And that that's all they did in Fairmont. Yeah. So I felt, so then thank goodness she had cheerleading and then the dance team. And so we tried to keep her as involved yeah. as possible. But that was hard. Yeah. Really hard for a girl. Sure. Because um, especially that one was attractive and bright and and um, a lot of jealousies from the kids that were in Fairmont to her and without even knowing her. So it was really unfair to her when she first got mm-hmm. there. But she adapted and made some really good friends. and And that was a... You know, tough for her, but tough for yeah. all of us, really. But yeah. we all got through it right. together. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, and Justin was just a little tiny tyke. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Um, what are your some of what are some of your favorite memories of like Fairmont from us growing up? Oh my gosh! You have any? <laughs> I have a lot of them. <laughs> Oh, I just, <laughs> I just think of how we adapted in that house of grandpa's and, uh, we'd set up a Christmas tree and, <laughs> and we tried to put all the decorations around the place and, uh, <laughs> and, and you'd, you'd wake up every morning and go down to this little heat vent and you'd lay there with a blanket over you and nobody could bother you. Cause that was your spot to watch cartoons before you get ready to go to school. Mm-hmm. And you were in seventh grade then at the time. So yeah. you still like to lay down there by that vent. But yeah. I mean, just a lot of, you did a lot of baseball in the summertime and uh, basketball traveling with Bruce Klutz and all those kids. So, I mean, we just tried to keep you guys very involved. Yeah. As we were, dad and I were both coaching and Jennifer was in dance. And I mean, just lots of memories from adapting from warm Arizona yeah. to, to to winter in Minnesota. Sure. Um, and... Uh, Oh, there are just many of them, Jeff. Lots and lots of stories yeah. from growing up. And, and then we got a little baby that <laughs> we're tagging along with us to do all these fun right. activities. And, uh, oh, just adapting to everything, you know. Okay. <laughs> and your broken ankle or leg or jumping down the steps. And I thought, oh, my Lord. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you were a sophomore in high school. Mm-hmm. And the state football tournaments. And, I mean, that was huge, you know, when you guys went on to state and we went to Northfield and. I mean, just a lot of them are sport related. Yeah, you know, very, very much so sport related because Dad was into coaching and mm-hmm. and uh, you guys were into sports and that was a big part of our lives. Mm-hmm. This is all the sports and activities for kids because right. that's a that helps kids develop as a as an individual to become more successful. You learn a lot about life mm-hmm. when you're involved in those sports. 
ups and downs, how to deal with it, how to move forward. And that's probably why we've always encouraged kids to be real active yeah. today. So. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about dad getting sick or no? We don't have to. Well, we can. I mean, well, that's a, it's nine. Sure, we can talk about or dad is getting that, sick. Is that a... Oh, no. That That's probably me. a whole nother podcast. Yeah. We can get into that <laughs> yeah. later. That could be another a whole nother podcast. Next time you're up, we'll, yeah. we'll yeah. do that one. Yeah. Um, and just that what that was like. Yeah. Because I would love to share all that stuff with you guys. Yeah. You know. Well, and I'm curious. Yeah. Sure um, you are. What it was like for you mm-hmm. getting that information and how you tried to handle that. But, yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. a whole Yeah. Another ball of wax. Yeah, um, that is, honey. What was it like when, you know, what, when Jennifer and I went off to college, right, and you've obviously got Justin there, like, was was that strange when, you know, your two oldest are out of the house, and what was that like, you know, emotionally? Well, yeah, because you went off to Augustana when Jennifer would but have been a junior, I think. Yeah, senior. Senior. So, um, well, we were going to both schools because she was on the dance team and you were playing baseball. Mm-hmm. So we were doing all of that stuff, and, and Justin was, was tagging along with us because he mm-hmm. was little, what, three years old, two, three, four years old at the time? No, six or six, seven or six eight. Six or seven. Let's see. You would have been 18. So 12 he years been, older than him. Oh, yeah, yeah. He would have been six. Six. So. Um but anyway, still yeah. a little tiny tiger to dragging him along. So, I mean, that For was sure. a lot of fun going to those activities. Yeah. Dad had a hard time going to Augustana, you know, because he was a stalwart jackrabbit, you know. Yeah. But he said, I will wear it when my kids are playing sports there. But he said, that it comes off right away. <laughs> but he enjoyed it. He enjoyed yeah. meeting the parents of the players that you sure. guys became really good friends with. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of fun with that. I wish we would have traveled more to see both – you know, traveled more to do some baseball trips with you guys. Yeah. But he didn't want to. So we just kind of, you know, and I don't know if it's because of coaching or work or the well, cost. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot. I yeah. mean, yeah, like yeah. yeah. To, and especially uh, with baseball, it's, yeah. it's different for football. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it's one, it's one game a week yeah. on a Saturday. Yeah. Right. Whereas, yeah. you know, you could have gone down to Nebraska, Omaha. When mm-hmm. we're having a weekend set against them, mm-hmm. and there's a chance I don't pitch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. get blown out, yeah. or we're blowing somebody yeah. out, and there's yeah. no need for a closer. So you just yeah. come down and yeah. you're just watching baseball games, right? So I, I totally Jeff. understand that. Yep. And not to mention, you had Justin, who yep. was in school and mm-hmm. in activities of his own mm-hmm. at the time. So it's really mm-hmm. tough to rip that out. Like I, I, I know I never expected like you mm-hmm. guys to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. It's that's a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. I mean, we play in 50, mm-hmm. 60 games a year. Yeah. Um, well, like you said, so. you never knew if you were going to pitch or not. So. Right. Yeah. It's not like yeah, I was, absolutely. yeah, I wasn't the starting first baseman yeah. or, yeah. you know, yeah. out True. out in left field where you knew I was going to play all the time. Uh, True. It was really on an as-needed basis. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and then when I would get starts, they were usually on like two days notice. So, mm-hmm. tough to yeah. tough yeah. to make that work when, yeah. you know, hotels are involved and travel time is involved yeah. and everything. Yeah. Um, but trying to go to Jennifer's stuff up at South Dakota State mm-hmm. and then to, to your activities, although she just danced at certain events, so we tried to yeah. get up there as much as we could. Sure. And um, working around his coaching, his games, my coaching, 
and Justin was so little, it didn't make a difference if you yeah. missed an activity or two. But it was difficult to get to her place because of all of the things we were committed to. Sure. That we just couldn't step away. So we went to everything that we possibly could yeah. in South Dakota State, which we enjoyed going back there because that's where your dad played basketball at Frost Arena. Yeah. And, well, no, he played at the barn. Yeah. My senior year, I cheered at Frost Arena. That's when they opened it up in 60, no, 71. Mm-hmm. 71, it was when, now it's completely being redone. So was he bummed that both of his sons decided to play sports at Augie? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, no, you just yeah. made the comment like yeah. he didn't like going there. Well, I mean, because he was he was a South Dakota State Jack, right. you know, and it was such a big competitor for sure. him in college. And, you know, I mean, it was one of our big rivals in college. Yeah. And uh, I don't, I think... He, even though he may not have shared this with you guys enough, he just wanted you guys to do what you were happy doing, whether it was basketball, football, baseball, or wherever you went, and um, wherever you went. So he wanted you guys Mm -hmm. to be happy with the sport you chose and the school you wanted to go to. And I don't know that he shared that enough times with you guys because he was, you you know, I don't know if he ever did. Enough times. Mm. <laughs> uh, yes, no. Yeah. No, <laughs> primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously proud that like we were, like we accomplished what we accomplished or mm-hmm. I shouldn't yes. speak for Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, he was proud of it. Um, yes, very much so. And happy for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember he came on my... Augie, or he he dropped me off from my recruiting trip at Augie and then picked me up the next day. I think he could see, mm-hmm. like, almost instantly, like, this right. was where I was yeah. going. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, so there probably would never have been much of a conversation, sure. you know, after if he had... And he never tried to like steer me. No. I do think, well, I take that back. I mean, there was, it was advice, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Because there were Juco, like, and he was ahead of the game with Juco's. Um, I was getting recruited to go to a couple of those down in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he did offer the perspective of like, look, you know, you're essentially 17 years old and going to play college baseball, not having a senior year. Don't, dismiss going to the juco route and essentially having your senior year there and then getting recruited again mm-hmm. um i think good i think at the time i was just so it's funny like talking to ross about this and some of the other guys like I, when we grew up like we were just so fixated on like the status of an offer Mm-hmm. and like playing at a certain level mm-hmm. that I never saw beyond that. And, you know, to me it was never an option, mm-hmm. right? Even though those would have been free, um, I would have hit, um, would have gotten better and so on and so forth and then mm-hmm. gone back out on the market, right, uh, mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah, like I, he offered the advice. He never yeah. steered and yeah. said you should do this. Just, you know, don't don't poo-poo that idea. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I won't. 
Mm-hmm. But instantly I did because mm-hmm. he didn't know what he was talking about in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's very typical of a 17, 18 year old boy. Yeah, for sure. Very, very typical. For sure. Yes. Of Absolutely. all of them, they want to go to a four year school. And Absolutely. Justin said the same thing. Yeah. You know, he said, I don't want to go to a two year, I want to go to a four year institution. Yeah. So, um, and transfer a second time. So, no. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I mean, it worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, it was where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to do. And mm-hmm. I'm here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and uh, very successful at it. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're living life, <laughs> having fun. Uh, what do you think of this podcast deal? Well, what are your thoughts I on want, this whole thing? I want to tell you how very, very proud Dad and I would are, are of you, Jeff, because you have a gift and a natural ability to question and talk people through some real difficult situations, and that is difficult to do for a lot of people. So you're doing very, very well at this. I'm very proud of you, and lots and lots of comments from people that I share this with. And yeah, you're uh, the world's greatest promoter. <laughs> I feel like Ben and I always joke around about it that like you send it to everybody you know and sometimes we're on like 30 person text threads and we don't know anybody on there but you're talking about it. Yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. No, I love this pod and you're doing very well and it's very impressive and everybody that listens says, wow, your son has a gift. I said, I know he does, doesn't he? So then they share their pod with other people and that's kind of how you... That's kind of how. That's you, how it grows. Yeah, yeah. That's how it that grows. And, but you, you're a very, a very gifted at this, and you're a natural when it Thanks. comes to questioning and understanding people's emotions and how to get them to work through and question and answer for yourself. So, congratulations on this oh. great podcast. Thanks, mom. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, well, we should do this again. Uh, um, absolutely, I would love to share dad's health journey with you and yeah. two kids and, well, and just your yeah, perspective yeah oh gosh yes right absolutely um, kind of what you were going through yeah through it absolutely. all that's uh yeah as a caregiver that's another yeah it's a whole other angle and, to that yeah and yeah how that would unfold right and mm-hmm. yeah and i'm yeah. you know i'm yeah. gonna do one with i want to do one with my wife if she'll be on right mm-hmm. and get her perspective of you know my whole situation oh, yeah your whole like situation with your was, health yeah. What she was going through emotionally about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, we'll do that again. Well, um, absolutely, honey. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for being yeah. on. Love you. And you did a great it. job. And I look forward to the next pod. I love you, Mom. All right. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Thanks sweetheart. for being on. All right. You bet, honey. Love you, sweetie. Bye-bye. You. All right. Thank you so much for listening to that conversation with my mother and I. It means a ton. Hope everybody had a good time listening to that and getting to hear a little bit more about my dad and her as they grew up way back when a long long time ago just kidding uh hope again i hope you had fun i hope you have a great week hope you have an absolutely fantastic thanksgiving partake imbibe have fun be safe jump into christmas folks until then take care of yourself we'll catch y'all next week until next time